This week's reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Today's reading is the story of the healing of Bartimaeus, the blind beggar. This is seemingly one of the most predictable of healing miracles in the gospel. The text introduces dear Bartimaeus to us as blind right from the jump, as though this was his singular identifying quality. And any hearer of the gospel would surely think, well, Jesus is about to heal this blind man of his blindness. That's been the pattern the whole time. A person is introduced by their infirmity, they encounter Jesus, and they're cured of whatever that identified malady might have been. The healing miracles don't start with once upon a time, but with the issue that is about to be healed. A leper came to him begging. A man was there who had a withered hand. Some people came, bringing with them a paralyzed man. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And on and on and on. And so when we get to this story, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar was sitting by the roadside. We already know what's going to happen. There's no spoilers here. Jesus is going to heal the man's sight. And what's more, healing the blind is like, according to scripture, one of God's favorite things to do. It's repeated over and over and over again in the Hebrew Bible that we should expect a Messiah, that God will one day walk among us and that Emmanuel will come and give sight to the blind. It's a very specific and oft-repeated promise, promised throughout the Psalms, promised throughout the prophets. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. It's getting to be that time of year, y'all, time for the Messiah, but that's a little Isaiah 35 for you. So the point is that we have this established pattern of these healing miracles where someone is introduced with an issue and Jesus remedies that issue. And we have scripture after scripture promising that God will restore sight to the blind. So when we're introduced to blind Bartimaeus, we know how things are going to go. 
There are no surprises, but there is one anomaly. The action is slowed. The plot is interrupted when Jesus asks Bartimaeus, what, what do you want me to do for you? And you can almost imagine someone in the crowd and certainly the first hearers of the story thinking, what do you want me to do for you? He's blind. Make him not blind. What else are we doing here? Like, Nadoi, Jesus, get about it, man. What do you want me to do for you? And this is pretty extraordinary, really, this question that Jesus asks. Jesus asks it here because in the other healing miracles, the person's suffering or that person's friends have already asked for specific healing. Jesus doesn't need to ask them. They've already put in their order, but here Bartimaeus opens not with a direct request for healing, but with a statement on who Jesus is. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now this is interesting too, and maybe the next time we read this story, we'll focus on that. But today, today let's keep things simple. The blind man comes to Jesus. The blind man asks for Jesus's help, and Jesus asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And there's a lesson here for us, a lesson here for us because we've been called to love others as God has loved us. And so we pay attention when God shows us how to love others. What do you want? What do you, what do you want me to do for you? The obvious answer is to heal the man's sight, but that's the obvious answer to us. And this isn't our story. This is Bartimaeus's story. It's not fair for us to assume that the number one thing bothering him is his lack of sight, especially because the text identifies him not just as blind, but as a blind beggar living on the streets. Maybe what he really wanted was a safe place to stay. Maybe what he really wanted was something good to eat. And maybe what he really wanted was healing for one of his friends or a member of his family. Maybe what he really wanted was for someone he loved to be made whole. Maybe what he really wanted was his own broken heart to be made whole. But you never know these things unless you ask, unless you put away your own presumptions and ask, unless you decenter yourself and ask, what do you want me to do for you? This is a wonderful, simple, very literal tool for loving people better. This is the question that moves us from charity to solidarity. Now, don't get me wrong. Charity is very good, is quite essential. Charity addresses the immediate, the presenting needs of people. People are hungry, you get them food. People are experiencing homelessness, you shelter them. They're sick, you take them to a clinic. Don't think for a moment that I'm here to tell you not to do that. But solidarity, asking the question, what do you want me to do for you, improves on that. First, it honors the person you want to serve by centering them and their experience and by respecting their autonomy. It's a servant's attitude that acknowledges that you and I are in no better, no better way than them just because we have access to the resources that might help them. 
People who are suffering poverty, hunger, homelessness are seldom asked what they want because they're treated more like problems to be solved than people. But the second major improvement gained by asking what do you want me to do for you is that this is how you learn what the real issues are. I mean, this is basic Sesame Street stuff, right? Asking questions is a good way of finding things out. By asking, what do you want me to do for you? You are offering to be a real partner, a servant to another person, to work with them on the issues and problems that are preventing them from thriving. This is where you find out that someone is short on rent because of burdensome payments on a predatory loan. Or someone is hungry because a broken cell phone is causing her to miss picking up shifts at work. Or someone is suffering terrible sores on, her, on his feet because he has no access to laundry facilities at the migrant camp and is wearing the same mud-caked socks day after day. So yes, you feed people, you treat their wounds, but you work with them to make them whole. You join with them to make them whole. That's solidarity. Charity is good. Keep doing charity. But if you really want to help people, if you really want to be a neighbor to others, practice solidarity. Practice solidarity, beginning with that one question, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And let me tell you this, if you do this, if you follow Jesus's model and actually ask people what they want you to do for them, you, like Jesus, will find yourself in the midst of some good, holy trouble. You'll start to learn things. You'll start to see things about this world. You'll start to see just how expensive it is to be poor. You'll start to see how truly underserved this area is and how people are hurting from lack of access to fresh food and a quality education and affordable housing and broadband and transportation and healthcare and short-term low-interest loans. You'll start to understand how the world really works and you'll no longer be able to point at the TV and go, why can't these people get their lives together? You'll know why. And in true solidarity, you'll advocate for change that won't just help one individual but countless others. You'll still donate to the food bank, sure, but you'll find yourself at school board meetings and county council meetings, and those advocacy groups and government officials will get to know you by your first name. And that's wonderful, and that's scary. But because your resources, the offering you have to give, it's not just your expendable income, but your time your expertise, your voice, your power, and ultimately, your love. Your love of God and your love of neighbor. That's not a political agenda. That's God's agenda. That's love. What do you want me to do for you? A simple tool. It's Jesus's own tool, and it's Ultimately, the question that God has always been asking us. This is the silent prompt for all of our prayers. God's constant presence with us, listening to us, waiting for our answer to that question. What do you want me to do for you? Because God's greatest promise to us, the greatest promise of Christianity, is that we'll never be alone. God is with us as our creator 
and as a partner, a sustainer through this life, walking with us and loving us through this life, and as our Redeemer, loving us beyond this life, loving us even though, in even through, loving us even through that tween place betwixt this life and the life to come. That's extraordinary. And God invites us into the divine life, into the divine work by calling us as partners, as companions in this world with one another. We model God's love and compassion when we ask, what do you want me to do for you? That's how we become true neighbors to one another. That's how we love God by loving one another. That's how we model the love of Christ to the whole world in a simple question. What do you want me to do for you? Try it. Try love, I dare you. Try it. It will be the hardest thing you ever do. But it's so much easier when we do it together, with each other, and with God. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Heavenly Banquet. You can find us on heavenlybanquet.com and on Facebook and Instagram. Like, follow, subscribe, review. Please do all the things that get us better connected and that help other people find us. Please, if you're hungry for good things.